0: Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie.
1: Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Alrighty, my motivational quote is by one of my favorite, favorite people of all time, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and the quote says, real magic in relationships, means an abundance of judgment of others. Communicating. The ability to express an idea or ideas to another person may be our greatest gifts. Unfortunately, we often take it for granted, especially with the people that are just closest to us. You know what I mean. Sometimes it's just in our delivery and how we say things, how we speak, and even the words we might choose. Actually, communication has many moving parts including, of course, words, intonation of the voice, and nonverbal cues or body language. When you communicate, do you know what your body is saying as well as your words? You know, most of us think we do, while in reality how we're being perceived by the people we're trying to engage actually is not perceiving us the way we intended. So think about your personal relationships, especially if you have a significant other, your kids, or close family members. Does it seem like, especially with your significant other, does it seem like you're both on different pages? Are you walking away mid-sentence, or are they? Why does it keep happening? Can old patterns be stopped? And how can you create a wonderful communication flow all the time? Do not fear, we have an expert to discuss how to improve unspoken communication and relationships and how to get out of the rut and back on track. My guest today is Dr. Danielle Forche. Danielle is a doctor of psychology and is a licensed clinical social worker. For more than a decade, Dr. Fourchet's practice bridges the gap between academia and the real world, blending scholarly research with practical applications to solve complex problems. Dr. Fourchet provides training in areas of risk assessment and managing aggressive behavior. In addition to her solo practice, she is affiliated with Rutgers uh, University, my alma mater, Hackensack Meridian, and is the clinical consultant for the Society for the Prevention of Team Suicide. Areas of specialty include treating high-conflict situations, specifically those experiencing marital or relationship problems, teenagers experiencing problems of adolescence, and the treatment of non-suicide self-injury. Her risk assessment expertise has naturally lent um itself into the collaborative divorce and mediation arenas as well who so danielle dr danielle for thank you so much for being on the show Oh poop just doing that introduction
2: <laughs> yes thank you very much for having me connie i appreciate it you know, um, that was a great intro by the way
1: Thank you. And I'm giggling because it. you know, we say go a decade, you know, but in a decade, look at all of that wonderful exposure and experience that you've gained and how you're able to help. And, you know, especially adolescents with, it's tough, it's tough being a kid today. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. Yeah, kudos to you that you have so much uh, experience.
2: Thank you so much, Connie. It is very difficult being a kid today, actually, with all the social media and always being connected. It's very much different than when we were younger.
1: <laughs> very different. It really is. So let's jump in. And my, my first question is, what are the basic emotional needs in relationships and how are they actually conveyed?
2: So that's a really great question. And um, I want to answer that in a very simplistic way. And what I'm going to say is one, two, three, four, five words. And it's To be heard and understood in every relationship the basic human need is to be heard and understood if we really actually think about it we're not really fighting about the things we're not fighting about the laundry we're not fighting about who left something somewhere we're not really fighting about finances we're really we're really fighting about what it means to us and how it is that that person is actually communicating to us about that thing and that's really what we're going to talk about today it's about how is it that we can make sure that we help others know that they are being heard and understood by us and how that relates to communication, unspoken communication. Mm -hmm. So the the ability to be heard and understood is portrayed or conveyed in three different ways. And these are very, very easy take-home things for anyone. They can do it at any time. This is going to help facilitate relationships in every aspect of your life, work relationships, romantic relationships, relationships with your family, with your siblings, with your friends. So there's three types of communication that helps us convey the basic emotional needs of being heard and understood. And they are verbal communication, that's number one. And verbal communication in relationships really means the content of what we say. So again, the verbal is what we say. Then the second type of communication is the para, P A R A, verbal. And that really means how it is that we say things. So when people say to us, like, oh, you have an attitude, or it's the way you said that, like you're so mean, they're really saying that your para verbal communication really isn't that great. And how we say it has to do with the tone. When we're talking, the volume, the intonation, the pitch, these kinds of things. So that's what power of verbal communication is. It's how we say it. And then the third type of communication is nonverbal, which really is just encompassing our body language. So the way that we look at people, our eye gaze, the way that our hands are, the way we're standing or sitting, nonverbal. So again, just to recap, the three types of communication, verbal, how we say it, paraverbal i mean excuse me verbal the content of what we say power verbal how we say it and nonverbal the body language
1: now okay so, so let me let me ask you a question yeah. on that of the three yeah. which has the most power in how we're perceived
2: So, that is an excellent question. In fact, so excellent, Connie, you read my mind, because that is a question I was going to ask you and our audience to think about. Out of the three types of communication, which one do you actually think is the most influential in relationships? And I want people to actually really think about that, because... People have a lot of assumptions about which kind of communication is the most influential in relationships and which one really has the ability to make us feel very strongly heard and understood by others. So let's ask you, Connie, since our audience is in their cars or at home listening to this, so what do you think of the three, verbal, paraverbal, or nonverbal? And, and
1: you know, I, I do know the answer to this, so don't, everybody don't think I'm brilliant. <laughs> Even though I am, um, it's, it's really nonverbal.
2: Okay. And how do you know the answer to that? You're good. That's
1: impressive. Uh, yeah. And I, I know that it's actually almost 93%. To, it, it, depending on what stats you look at, it could be anywhere from 57 to 93% of how we're perceived. Because I do train that when I talk about communication skills it, with sales, with customers. And your nonverbals are just ridiculously critical, and and I just I want to share a really quick story if I can to sure absolutely to to just illustrate the power of nonverbals. Um, I did a favor for a friend, and uh, she was an executive at the New Jersey Bankers and they needed me to go down in South Jersey so for folks you know Jersey is really a long state it's about a two-hour ride at night they wanted me to teach this night class for customer service got paid nothing I did it to pay back and again because my friend requested it I'm all about helping right so I sure I'll do it during Christmas 10 weeks driving down two hours so I get down there start teaching the class and this one young lady anything I said she rolled her eyes so my my instinct is to rip her face off. No I'm teasing. My <laughs> instinct is always observe and don't respond. So you really kind of get a vibe of who everybody is, etc. So the first night I didn't say anything. Driving home now, two hours. You know, I'm getting home at midnight. Driving home, I was seething. I was so angry, thinking, who does she think she is? If you don't want to be in the class, don't be in the class. You know, I'm volunteering my time to help out this friend, and how rude. So anyway, I get home. The next week, I go back down. But I'm armed now. I'm thinking, oh, I'm calling her out. So get in there. I stood right next to her. I said whatever my first comment was about what I was going to teach for the evening. And I looked at her and I said, are you going to roll your eyes? And I did it in a jokingly manner. And she looked at me stunned saying, what are you talking about? And I said, well, and I explained last week you rolled your eyes. And, you know, it was a little offensive. So I'm just curious if you don't want to be here. Hey, man, listen, it's cool. You know, no hard feelings. She had no idea she was rolling her eyes. Apparently, it was a bad habit that she had picked up from a child. And no one ever helped her correct it. And, and I try, you know, so of course now, what a great learning opportunity. Because everybody knows that she rolls her eyes. So, I pursue and say, do you actually do that with customers? She didn't even know she was doing it with customers. Yeah. But her peers mm-hmm. said, she does. So I gave her some tools, and she ended up breaking that habit over the 10. It took her 10 weeks to break that habit. Wow. But but mm. her nonverbals, without even and, and she didn't even know she was doing it. So I, I okay. guess my question to you, too, Danielle, is how many people don't know what their bodies are saying?
2: It's, it's actually very significant. A lot of people don't have body awareness to the extent that they should because they're not really an understanding of how impressionistic it is our nonverbal communication they're not realizing that a lot of people don't know that and Mm -hmm. so they focus on the content of what they're saying and instead of how they're saying it and the way that they're being perceived when they say it so we have to really be aware of our body the way we look and the way we posture ourselves how we do our eye gaze and those kinds of things so a hundred percent um and getting back to what you were saying, you said initially that there's a lot of different statistics on, you know, um, nonverbal communication and how influential it is in relationships, and you gave a good range. And in fact, you know, it is 55% in 55. most influential relationships. 55% mm-hmm. is what you don't say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the nonverbal, meaning the posture, the expression, the eye gaze, and the gesture of which we portray to others really communicate something about us in relationships and if we're able to really have that body awareness and the awareness of the way that we look the way we stand the way we express our our facial expressions we're able to con- we're able to get trust from somebody we're able to help people feel heard and understood much more significantly as if we were to focus on what it is that we're saying so again the nonverbal is 55% most influential in relationships and then so, go ahead okay no, oh, I was
1: going to Uh go ahead, give, give your other statistic, and then if you could give us tips on, because to me, 55%, that's tremendous, and if I don't it know is. what my body is saying, what are some things I can raise my awareness to maybe shift? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, so, but please, give your statistic yes. first.
2: And I do want to get to the tips, I have that more like toward the end, because in the middle, what I'm going to be talking about after this is like, some neurobiology behind empathy and how it works and how it relates to these three types of communication. Why it's so powerful. Perfect. Um, And so I want to get to the tips at the end. And I have some really great take-home tips that everybody can use in their daily life to help influence their relationships in a more positive manner. Cool. Um, So the second most influential uh, communication method in relationships is the paraverbal communication. That is at 38%. Mm percent So, 38% 38% of how you say things is communicated and is very much influential in when we're talking to people in a relationship. Again, paraverbal meaning the speed, the pitch, the energy, the level and the tone at which we're communicating. So then after that, it is the content of what we say. That is the least influential in relationships, and that only holds a 7% weight in conversation, in relationships. So for those who are so hyper-focused on trying to get across your point to people, it's not going to work if you don't have the effective nonverbal and paraverbal ability to communicate that you are allowing that person to be heard and understood and that they can trust you. If we can focus more on the nonverbal and the paraverbal communication, we will elicit trust, comfort, and understanding from the other person. And I'm going to tell you how that actually happens. But first, I want to say, because some people are pricing it, they're like, oh, my God, like, really only 7%? How is that possible that only 7% of the content of what we say is influential in relationships? And, in fact, this, this actually goes back to the first humans with, with natural instinct. Our, our ancestors had undeveloped voices, and they were very dependent on nonverbal communication and the utterance of sound. And because of this, Nonverbal communication is very deeply rooted in the brain and still every single day, despite the fact that all of these years have passed and we are no longer the first underdeveloped humans, we still use this part of our brain every single day in relationships.
1: That's That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. and and you know what I was it thinking when you were strange. saying that the nonverbals and the paraverbals really is 90, 93% of how we communicate, I was giggling, you know, how many times did, you know, your mom tell you when you were young, it's not how you, it's not
2: what you say, it's how you said it. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, people say these things all the time. Like, growing up, I say it all the time, and they'd be like, oh, stop it. Come on, it's ridiculous. Just focus on what I'm saying. But now that I'm in this field and I deal with relationships and people all the time, like... I'm realizing, I've realized, wow, like there's a lot of truth to those old kind of wise tales that people used to say. It, I it's find it true.
1: It is. It's really true. I mean, they're there for a reason, right? And they've lived on for so long because of a reason. But the other thing it, that's cracking me up is that w- that this trait, this ability to really communicate via nonverbals, is extraordinary. And I, I just really, really another funny story. And then we'll take a break. When my kids were really, really little, we had gone to a first Holy Communion party in the backyard. It was like a, a ton of kids. And they had this little plastic house, but it was like a playhouse. You could go inside. So it was a boy that was having the communion, so most of the kids were boys. Well, do you think they were going inside the playhouse? No. They had to climb on top of the playhouse. So my kids or look at They're in line to climb on top. I'm across the yard, like a mile away from them. But I'm watching. I'm observing. I'm just observing. I'm not doing anything, Danielle. And then they get closer and closer. They were the next two in line. And they both looked over at me. All I had to do was just gently shake my head from side to side saying, no, you don't want to do that. They both walked off and got out of the line. It was, it cracked me up because I thought, wow, that was pretty powerful. <laughs> I'm a mile away from them. Didn't have to say a yeah. word, but they knew, they knew that you shouldn't be doing this at someone's home. It's disrespectful, right? So they knew they shouldn't be doing it even though all the other kids were. They wanted me to be their benchmark. And all I had to do was give them a little nod of, no, you, you shouldn't do that. So I, the body language, I, I know just from my own experience in training, Danielle, it's powerful. And people trust you or don't trust you of how you mm-hmm. engage with them through your body. And we're going to talk about that when we get back. Let's take a really quick break because I can't wait to get to um, even more information and then the tips. So I am anxious.
2: <laughs> Wonderful.
1: <laughs> okay, cool.
0: A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, a listener, is motivated and empowered to change. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. We are back.
1: And we are speaking with Dr. Danielle Fourche and she is giving us a ton of information about how to communicate much more effectively, and really with everybody, Danielle, right? It's not even just our spouse or our kids. It's friends, family, co-workers, bosses, everybody we engage with um, on a regular basis. So let's, yeah. let's shift. What happens if people... Because uh, people are going, okay, that's great, but I'm in the frenzy of anger. How do I control my body language? So do you have any ways to temper that and maybe give some tips how to calm themselves down?
2: Yes, I do. Um, but I think before I get to that, I need to explain how what all this has to do with empathy in the brain and oh, then okay. explain some of those kinds of things um, because it will make more sense when I explain some of this. So okay. I, I kind of want to start out with, you know, I want to get people to really think for a second, like, have you ever actually wondered how you can intuitively feel when someone's being empathetic? I mean, most people have wondered that. We just know. We meet somebody, we kind of get this sensation when we're talking to them that they get us. Um and this is deeply rooted in the brain, just as and in the same part as our ability to really like have to manage the nonverbal and the paraverbal communication with being influential in relationships. And empathy really means the uh, ability to understand and share the feelings of another, which is very different from emotional contagion. Emotional contagion essentially is when we kind of start hysterically crying when someone comes to us and they're crying and they're telling us a story. That really turns people off. That's not empathy, so I just want to be clear. Um, so in relationships, um, em- in, excuse me, in the brain, empathy, we feel it because there's actually something happening in the brain when we're looking at somebody and we see their body language and we hear their voice. Um, and this has to do with a type of brain cell in the body or in the brain called a mirror neuron. And the mirror neuron has everything to do with why nonverbal and paraverbal communication is very, very influential in relationships. They found out, scientists found out about mirror neurons back in the 90s, and essentially they found that these mirror neurons respond equally when we perform an action and when we witness someone else perform the same action. So to break it down, what that really means is they did a bunch of studies on this. They did some brain scans, and they saw certain neuroimaging studies. They saw certain parts of the brain in people light up over here. We'll say on the left there's a bunch of participants that are humans, And they are looking over at a bunch of other humans in another area, and they're watching these humans grab objects. And the participants that aren't doing anything, they're just sitting and watching. What they did was they found that these participants that were watching and not grabbing the objects but watching the other ones grab the objects, their brain lit up in the exact same place that the brains of the people who were actually grabbing the objects lit up in. And the brain areas that they lit up in – are in parts of the brain that only have mirror neurons. And the parts of those brains are the frontal cortex, which has to do with judgment, Mm -hmm. impulse control, problem solving, and memory. And also in another area of the brain that has to do with information processing. And so they found the same in animals as in humans, that if you just watch somebody do an action, you can feel it in your body because, your brain is essentially telling you that you are doing that action by just visually watching someone's body language. So empathy has this kind of function in the brain that's very, very deep-rooted, and the mirror neurons are located in the areas of the brain that have to do with our ability to control our behavior and our ability to process information, which is very, very connected to all of the nonverbal and paraverbal communication that we have to use in relationships to be eliciting trust and to feel good about somebody. Again, empathy means we know. We can put ourselves in someone else's shoes. We know when, they're, when they get us, and there's this function for it. So what does this mean really for relationships? This means that when we witness our loved ones or someone important to us experience or feel a certain feeling or emotion, our brain actually tells us that we are experiencing it. It makes us feel their pain. There is no way around this, and it's completely involuntary. So now getting back to your question, now I can answer your question more effectively. What if there's a disagreement or you're angry and you know you can't show empathy? That's your question, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, because you're in, you're enraged or, or whatever a situation or a person.
2: Right. So the first tip for that is, It is totally impossible, biologically and neurobiologically, it is impossible to be able to have a clear, coherent conversation with somebody and not slip up on the para and nonverbal communication when you're angry because your brain is not going to let you physiologically do that. Certain parts of your brain actually shut down. The parts of your brain that have to do with information processing shut down. So what that means is that if you're in a fight with somebody, you're arguing with somebody, you're heated about something, and someone tries talking to you about it, you actually can't really hear more than half of what they're saying. So number one, it's effective to actually, you can't, you have to walk away and you have to have a code word. This is what I tell people. Your best option is not to discuss anything until you're not as upset or angry. You have got to give your body a way to calm down physiologically so your brain can stop sizzling. Essentially, I call it a brain sizzle. Like all these chemicals flood our brain and make these parts of our brain that have to do with judgment, and impulse control totally short out, totally short out. You can't get anything accomplished in that moment. So you're going to have to have a code word, or you're going to have to, if you're at work, um, if you're with a loved one, have a funny code word. Some people come up with the funniest kinds of code words, so it kind of like brings it down, then you walk away. Anger typically lasts up to 15 to 20 minutes in people. That's what the research tells us. Anger lasts 15 to 20 minutes, so I would suggest that walk away, give a code word, Have that agreement with that person that when the code word gets put out there, that you're going to need at least 15 to 20 minutes, and then you're going to have to be able to come back together because it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for your body to physiologically calm down so your brain isn't on a boil anymore. Then you can come back together and try to to talk about it. That's my first tip. The okay, other so thing I wanted—I just—I have
1: to I just want to make you laugh when you said you know the code word you know it's like yeah. it's like a safe word. I'm thinking Fifty Shades. That was it. I just wanted to throw that in. And that's
2: funny. <laughs> I mean, listen, I've, it's hilarious. Like you have to come up with a funny word.
0: You gotta break. You
2: gotta break the tension. So I mean, I've had people say like Twizzler, like mistletoe. You know, people say like the funniest stuff, but it's hilarious, and that's what you have to kind of do. But you have to come up with this code word when you're not in the heat of the moment. And just, just a piece of advice for those who are, like, very angry, um, who are trying to deal with someone who is angry and you're not angry. Let's say I'm trying to deal with someone who is angry, but I'm not angry or upset. Mm. I need to make sure that I'm only communicating five words at a clip to that person because they cannot hear more than three to five words when they're upset and angry. So for your loved one, if they're really upset with you and you're not upset, and you try to, like, talk to them and talk to them, they, the certain part of their brain that has to do with information processing is totally shut off or sizzling, and they really cannot get through. It's like there's this huge wall, and only a certain amount of words can get through, and the key is three to five words. That's it.
1: Okay, so I'm going to laugh again. My parents out there,
2: doesn't this explain
1: so much with our kids when they're frantic and they're they're screaming at us like crazy people, and you're trying to be the voice of reason, and and we're like, you know, we're giving them too much information. Parents, this is a good good one for our kids. I'm loving it.
2: Yes, absolutely. And also, you know, not only does it decrease your ability to take in information, but the parts of our brain that that have to do with, like, that shut down when we get upset and angry. It also reduces our hearing. It makes us not mm. hear as well. It makes us have a very difficult time shifting attention away from a, from a posture that, like, is very defensive. Um, it really decreases our ability to really function as we normally would. It's almost as if you have to really think about it. This is like a biological mechanism, and we can't judge the person based on those kinds of reactions when they're upset because their brain is shutting it off so they can actually survive because the brain is seeing this as, as a way to survive and a way to continue on with life, a protective mechanism. Sure. And, We used to need that many, 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 many years ago, but no longer is that adaptive for us in certain situations, and it really manifests its ugly head in relationships and makes people not want to be around us and makes us misunderstood, but if we put it in the context of this is a brain thing, this is is something that really we can't manage for that period of time, it really gives us an understanding of compassion and the human condition, and that's what we need in relationships. And also think about it, when your child is mad or your spouse is mad or someone is mad and you're not, you have to also understand that their ability to listen and empathize is totally shot, totally out the window, totally gone. So you cannot have an expectation that they will actually be able to be that for you in that moment when you need them to be. You have got to throw that out the window because it is not going to happen.
1: Because logic isn't there because they're shut, their brain is literally in protective mode and, and shutting down. This is so interesting just because I, I think that we're never taught how to communicate properly and we're either taught to scream and yell and you know, walk away, right, so you, you think you're being heard, you're not, or to right. just shut down internally, keep it all inside so it continues to fester. So we're, so we're really never taught how to communicate. This is such a great explanation because it's biological. It's not even like when someone's angry at that moment or you're, you're fighting, you know, me, you and I are having an argument. It's not even like we could get control of that quickly. It, it, you have to give it the 15 or 20 minutes. That intrigues Yes.
2: Yes, absolutely, it is. Um, and there are people that stay angry for more than 15 to 20 minutes. I'm not saying that, like, that's the catch-all number, but people that – you know, there's something that it's called rumination. There's people that angry ruminate, meaning they're angry ruminators. Like they take way more than 15 to 20 minutes to calm down. And these people need a lot more time. And you know who you are in the audience. When I say you're an angry ruminator, you take the angry situation and you continue thinking about it and feeling as angry as you were from the moment it happened for hours and hours and hours and hours later, those kinds of people need a different rule for how they're going to deal with anger in relationships and that rule may not be the same as the one I'm telling you on this on today's show. And I mm-hmm. can talk about that another time, but that's a whole different animal, and I really don't want to get into it. But know that research does tell us that 50 to 20 minutes is the typical within-normal range time for people to simmer down after being angry. Which and is, also – Okay. It isn't. It isn't a lot of
1: time, Danielle. It, when you think it's about not. it, instead of saying something that you can't, at, once it's out, you can never take it back. Fifteen or twenty minutes, you know, especially if you love or care about this person or work with this person. You know, maybe if you don't love them, but you have a mutual respect. Fifteen or twenty minutes is not. Is not a lot of time.
2: No, it's not actually, and. People say that to me all the time, I'm like, oh, my God, like, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Like, it was really mm-hmm. quick. And I'm like, yeah, right? Like, if we actually know this information, if we're informed, it makes us make better decisions, and it makes us actually feel much more effective and makes our, our the people in our life understand us better, and we understand them better. So absolutely. 15 to 20 minutes is like nothing. It really is in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we're almost out know. of
2: time. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. We're almost okay. out of time. Okay,
1: okay. We have, like, another minute or so.
2: Okay, so I was going to say, let me get it down. So after you've calmed down, what can you do to help become more constructive, right? So after the code word is thrown out, you guys walk away 15 to 20 minutes, you come back, then what do you do? So you want to do a soft startup, and I call this soft startup, it's different than a hard startup, which we know what that could sound like. So there's four parts to a soft startup, and this is what I want people to try to do in their lives. First thing you need to do is you need to share some responsibility about the problem or the situation. What I mean is, instead of pointing the finger at your partner, you're pointing the finger at yourself, and you're taking some responsibility for your contribution in that problem, Second thing, you want to say how you feel. Instead of using I statements, instead of you statements, you want to say, I feel blah, blah, blah about what happened. You want to explain your feelings about the situation and not describe what you think, believe, or assume the other person was feeling. You want to identify the situation, and you want to say what you need. Most people have an issue where they always want to say what it is that they don't need the other person to do for them. You want to tell the person what you need from them. And you don't want to expect your partner to be a mind reader. That ruins so many situations where we expect that people are going to read our mind and know exactly what we want and how we are, but that's not true. We need to avoid criticism, and we need to always be very diplomatic as possible. Um, Can you curse? Yes. Can you be yourself? Yes. Can you argue like you do? Yes. But if you follow these steps, of sharing responsibility, saying how you feel, and saying what it is that you need, you're more likely to have a better ending to that issue than not. Um, And three take-home lessons for today, just since we have like 30 seconds, three take-home lessons. Focus on how you're saying things over the content of what you're saying. Don't discuss sensitive topics when you're aroused. Your brain will not let you be able to do that. Conduct, they won't let you do it. And then you wanna convey lots of empathy Um, because your partner's brain knows when you're not conveying empathy. And those are my three take-home lessons for today.
1: And and the empathy really can be shared through body language, right? So empathy yep. simply don't cross your arms, even if you're angry. Keep your your arms down at your side and your palms open to say I'm I'm taking your information and I'm accepting it. So you know there's little really simple little things that that you can do. And guys, there's so much on body language out there from an information um, resource. Just you Google it. There's so many experts right danielle with the with the politics yes. and everything. they have body language experts observing to say "Don't do this, do this, um you know you have a tick with this, don't do that so there's so much information about body language and the power that we really. We really possess, and we don't even know it. So um, interesting! Oh my God, I wrote I wrote a ton of notes, Danielle. My husband's gonna be so pleased. He's gonna say, "Who are you? Where's my wife?"
2: <laughs> oh, wonderful! I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, this is. Uh, I hope everybody.
1: I hope you all took notes. Uh, just great. Just a great show, Danielle. And and thank you for. It's a serious topic, but thank you for you know creating uh, some fun with it again because I I think people learn yeah. when we laugh, not when we take this to yes. topic and make it, you know, this is what you're doing wrong versus try this, play with that. And um, your tips were were beautiful. So thank you for that. Everyone, if you found uh, Dr. Forsy's information intriguing, I highly recommend go to her website. It's www.marriagecounselingnj.net, for New Jersey, dot .net. Um, and you have resources on there as well, right, Danielle?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So I'm not going to give your number because if they really want to contact you directly, um, they have you have all those links there that they can reach out to you to ask any specific questions, etc. And also, um, Danielle, I, I post I will post your website on the Web Talk Radio Architective Change platform. Because a lot of people drive and listen. This way they could just click and go and find you, okay? So I promise I'll get that out to everybody as well. Um, You guys, and I hope that you found this topic really intriguing. And if there's topics that you'd love me to cover or things that you're struggling with, please share them with me because if, if I can help you, I certainly will. And if I can't, I have an abundance of resources that I can reach out to. So send me that information or your stories for help, whatever it is. But email me at Connie at And I promise I will respond to you personally. Um, Danielle, again, thank you again for being on. Just what a great show. And I hope everybody got or received the value that was intended with this topic. So thank you again for your expertise.
2: Thank you for having me,
1: Connie. Truly, truly my pleasure. Um, I hope you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change. We gave you some ideas how to change your behavior when you're in the fit of anger or rage and realize that change is possible. and, And truly, it's easier than we often think. Um, I want to thank you all for joining me and thank Dr. Fourche again for joining us. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on WebTalkRadio.net. Thank you, everyone. Please go out and have an inspired week that is not filled with any anger. Have a great one.
0: You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.